TII item 278, August 14th, 2013, iOS 7, Beta 5. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Colin! Oh, yeah! My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is brought to you by Warby Parker. Please visit warbyparker.com to find fashionable eyewear at an affordable price. And use promo code TII when purchasing a pair of glasses to get free two-day shipping. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is a Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Alberto for sending in the music here in the background. Alberto wrote, Hi, Rob. I just made a song with GarageBand on my iPod Touch 5th Gen. Regards, Alberto Luna. Well, thanks, Alberto, for the music. And folks, I will put the full song at the end of the episode. I also want to thank Cal for sending in the artwork for today's show. Cal wrote, Hi Rob, here is some artwork I made by taking a picture of my living room carpet and then using the Avery app on my iPod Touch to add the text. You can find my tech blog at bengalreview.wordpress.com. Best regards, Cal. Well, Cal, thanks for sending in the artwork. And you can see Cal's artwork in the TII app in the extras for episode 278, or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash todayinios. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, can you imagine Windows Phone 7 in two years powered by the twin engines of Nokia's global reach and RIMS enterprise base? It would be a powerhouse platform, the stuff of dreams for Bomber and nightmares for Apple and Google. Unquote. Peter Pachal, PC Magazine, 4th of May, 2011. Um, no. It is now over two years, and to say that Windows Phone is a nightmare for anyone today, you'd either be talking about Nokia or Microsoft, or the users of those devices, or some combination thereof. Just saying. For promo codes on episode 277, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the app Calculator Spreadsheet. I will be drawing for winners sometime in the next week. If you want more info on that item, go back and listen to the beginning of episode 277 for the additional details. This week, we have promo codes for a couple apps. First app is Talk Photo, two words. Here is the review from the dev. My name is Neil Spanier and I'm the dev for Talk Photo. Talk Photo is an app that has many features, but primarily you can add a voice message to one or more photos. So now your photos will be able to talk. If you click on any of the photos, it will maximize the photo and give you the option to open the photo editor, which is like a mini Photoshop. So it has a lot of cool features such as preset filters, stickers, color controls, text effects, and other stuff. If you press on the camera icon, there's cool features for both the front and rear facing cameras, such as zoom by using the pinch gesture. There's a flip invert button, which will show you a reflection or non-reverse image when using the front facing camera, or you can flip a regular view when using the rear camera. There's a mirror light, which is great when you're in a dark place, and the split screen button allows you to see 
both a regular and inverted view at the same time where you could zoom separately on each side. You can upload email and text any of the talking photos, there's an instructions button, or you can go to the waha.com website for any of your questions answered. Thanks, Neil, for the review of your app, Talk Photo, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put Talk Photo in the subject line. The second app we have promo codes for is the app Check Me Out, three words. Here is the review from the dev. Hello, my name is Dr. Neil Spanier, and I'm the dev for Check Me Out app. See yourself as you truly appear with our non-reversing mirror. Mirrors are reversed. Check Me Out isn't. Did you even realize that your reflection is reversed and so is your front-facing camera on your smartphone or tablet? Go check for yourself. Look at yourself with your front-facing camera, then take the photo. It flips the live image when it develops it. Our non-reversing mirror is the solution. Now you can use a mirror and our non-reversing mirror at the same time. Check Me Out app www.waha.com That's W-A-A-A-H-A-A-A.com Thanks again to Neil for his review of his other app, Check Me Out, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put Check Me Out iPad or Check Me Out iPhone in the subject line. Please make sure to put in iPad or iPhone so I know which version to send you a promo code for. As always, just send in one email for one specific app. If you send in multiple emails or ask for multiple apps in a single email, then, well, no soup for you. A quick reminder, if you are an app dev, email me if you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60-second or less order your view of your app, indicating you are the dev. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. On August 6th, Apple updated iOS 7 beta to version 5. This included updates for all the iOS devices that will accept iOS 7 and updates to the Apple TV software. Beta 5 seems to be a lot more of the crossing T's and dotting I's with very little in the way of new features. Some of those updates uh, that are included as new features or changes are new icons in the settings app for items like the airplane mode, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and the like for those little icons there on the left. Uh, there is a new feature in settings that lets you disable control center within apps, which is nice because some game apps, um, due to how you interact with them, that would cause control center to pop up from the bottom when you really meant all to do was slice some fruit in half or crush some candy or something like that. One other noted change is the startup screen will now match your iOS device. In other words, a white iPhone will start up with a white background and a black Apple in the middle. And a black iPhone will start up with a white background and a white Apple in the middle. Yep, seems Apple is putting some more polish on the beta, and that is good news as it means we are getting closer and closer to the full launch of the Goldmaster to devs and by proxy closer to the public launch of iOS 7. And to the email back. Hi Rob, I have a pet peeve with the new pull-up settings menu, and I hope Apple will address it before gold launch. If you bring it up on your show, um, hopefully someone there will hear. When you access the menu, it has a lot of useful options available, with the exception of a shortcut to the expanded main settings icon. I still find myself having to drill down through my icons to get to the basic settings app, such as where 
email and Wi-Fi networks and other items are included. Anything you do to bring this up to Apple's attention would be much appreciated. Regards, Talman M. Well, Talman, thank you for that feedback, and I agree with you. It would be nice when you have Control Center, when you pull it up from the bottom, that there would be a hot link that would then open up the settings app to, so you can get into some of the other items rather than having to search through where you've hidden that settings app. Sometimes on some of my kids' devices, I try to hide the settings app so they're not getting into it all the time. So yeah, it would be nice to have that right there from the control center. On episode 277, which was released on August 1st, I said, quote, what Apple might do is on September 3rd, they could send out invites to a special event that would be on Tuesday the 10th then on the 10th, they would announce that iOS 7 would be available the next day on the 11th for download, or maybe even later that day on the 10th, and then introduce the new iPhone or iPhones and say they would be available on Friday the 13th, unquote. From all things D, August 11th, 10 days after my quote, they said, quote, Apple is expected to unveil its next iPhone at a special event on September 10th, sources told all things D, unquote. This is from Aina Fried at All Things D. And if you are not familiar with All Things D, that is where Apple goes to leak stuff. So it seems like the 10th it is for announcements about the next iPhone or iPhones. There was no indication in the article when the actual release date would be. I am still guessing on September 13th. Granted, every time in the past that Apple's announced a new iPhone, there was at least a nine-day window from announcement to launch, usually more than 10 days. But what if this year Apple was determined to get lines back out in front of Apple stores? And what if they wanted to pump up Apple store sales numbers? Maybe, just maybe, Tim Cook is coming around to the perception game that Steve played so well and like no one else. What if Tim says that on Friday the 13th, at Apple stores, the iPhone 5S goes on sale, and we will take orders online starting on the 11th for shipments that are going to start going out on Monday the 16th. That might get a few more people in line for iPhones, and longer lines for iPhones means more press coverage, and that makes analysts happy. We shall see, but if Apple does release per this schedule, it may mean they are getting back into the perception game. And really, considering how bad Apple has been beaten down by the tech press and bloggers this past year plus, well, it's about time they fought back a little. Some interesting stats coming out of the resale market for smartphones. The iPhone 4 since April has seen its value rise 10% on the resale market. Over that period, the value of the iPhone 4S, however, has dropped 11.85%, and the iPhone 5 resale value has dropped just 3.75% this based on successful auctions on eBay. Conversely, looking at the Galaxy S3 over that period, the value dropped 27.32%, and the Note 2 dropped 35.54%. Nothing really shocking there. iOS devices have always held the value much longer and better than Android devices. It's kind of like comparing a Mercedes to a Jaguar. Now, if you are someone that is looking to sell an iPhone 4, 4S, or 5, now is actually the time to do that. As by the end of this month, there will be a big increase in the number of people selling their iPhones to get ready for the iPhone 5S. So that means from this point forward, pricing will likely only decline and will do so big time on September 10th. 
By the way, I can't stress this enough. If you buy or sell an iOS device in Craigslist, when you meet the person, schedule to meet them at the parking lot of your local police station. Not at a mall parking lot, not at your house. Meet people at the police station parking lot. That is the safest place to meet someone to do an iOS sales transaction, whether you're buying or selling. I honestly could do a report every single episode, multiple reports per episode from news reports around the country, around the world, but mostly around the U.S., of people getting ripped off when they go to either buy or sell an iOS device via Craigslist. A big kudos to the Obama administration for having the president veto the ITC ruling that would have banned sales of the iPhone 4 and iPad 2 GSM version at AT AT&T. This is something I had harped on and said needed to be done, and it is really great to see that the ITC ban was overturned. It would have set such a bad precedence if it was allowed to be enacted. Also, kudos to Connie G. from Forbes and Fiorian Mueller from Foss Patents as being the only two within the first 48 hours of the veto that I read to report on the Obama veto and actually mention the support from Verizon and bipartisan support in the U.S. Senate. Most everyday folks have no idea on what the background of this case was. Sadly, they don't all listen to this podcast. So all they saw was President Obama vetoed something that helped Apple and hurt Samsung and saw it as a political decision, which it was not at all. This was a standards essential slash friend issue, and one, if not vetoed, would have had dire long-term effects on consumers. Sadly, most reporting on this did not take the time to do proper background checking on this, like was done at Forbes and by Florian Mueller. From Florian Mueller's article, quote, This is a victory for consumers and fair competition, and it also shows that Commissioner Dean Pinkert one of the six leaders of the ITC appropriately dissented from the majority decision, which was a total outlier with respect to injunctive relief over standard essential patents, unquote. This was not at all about politics, as both sides of the aisle had people with level heads saying this needed to be stopped, killed, vetoed. And it had people, both friends and enemies, agreeing this needed to be stopped, killed, and vetoed on the business side. And at the end of the day, I believe the correct decision was made, and long-term, there are many, many different legal articles that will now not fill up my email newsfeed. And after all, is that not what this is all about, keeping my inbox and newsfeed clear of all this legal clutter? I had a couple of people send in links to an article from Shifty Jelly, the company that makes the Pocket Cast app for iOS and Android, among a few other apps. And they were disputing what people like John Gruber and myself were saying about Android development taking as many as three times the developers to support versus iOS. They try to dispute John by saying they do development work for both iOS and Android, and they don't see that issue. Well, the company I work for has developed more apps than Shifty Jelly, and we have developed our apps for iOS, Android, Windows Phone 8, and Windows 8. And we did not develop a few more We developed a lot more than them. And I can tell you 100%, there is much, much more time required to develop and support Android apps. Even though there are many times more installs on iOS than Android, 
we get more support tickets from Android. Most of that is from fragmentation-related issues. There is just no way you can test your app on all the Android devices before releasing a new version. That means you will have issues on some of the 11K plus different Android devices out there. That is just a reality. Unless your app is really, really, really basic, if you develop Android, you will have issues with some strange Android device or two or 100 or 1,000. It is just the way it is. And the more popular the app, the more likely you are to have your app downloaded on one of those outlier type Android devices. So regardless of what it takes on the development side, if you stand behind your app and offer support, you will see multiple times the support tickets on Android that you see on iOS in general. And that has to do with all the different versions of Android devices out there. Another thing in general you will see with iOS apps is more revenue. A new report from Distimo shows that Apple App Store revenue still far exceeds that of Google Play revenue despite there being more Android devices and Android app downloads now. Distimo also looked at the top earning apps for July and Candy Crush leads in generating the most revenue. It is estimated that Candy Crush earns about $800,000 per day in revenue. Not too shabby. And speaking of Candy Crush, here's a little tip for you. If you run out of lives or get stuck on one of those stupid quests where you can't do anything for 24 hours and you don't want to contribute to that 800 k in revenue per day by buying more lives, you can simply go into Settings app on your iOS device and then to Date and Time and then turn off Auto Time Move the clock up, and you'll get more lives. Unlimited lives, because you can keep moving the clock up. Granted, you want to turn the clock back to auto time when you're done playing, but if you are stuck on a tough level or at a quest, just change your time, and just like that, you are back trying to make cake pops. And don't think of that as cheating. Think of it as a hidden Easter egg, or hacking, or exploiting a hole so freaking obvious they should have known better, but were too busy counting their cash to look at the code, so you are obligated to take advantage of this now that you know. Hi Rob, I am the IT manager where I work and have just recently finished switching all of my mobile devices to iOS devices. It has made my life much easier as far as that department is concerned. Regards, Jeremy H. St. Louis Mo. Thanks to Stefan for the heads up on this next one which talks about some survey of devs for iOS. One of the questions was, are you working on updating your current app for iOS 7? Of 575 valid responses, 545 developers indicated that they were working on an update for iOS 7. That is a 95% adoption rate. Of those that were saying they were working on it, they were then asked if their new version of the app would require iOS 7 or would work for both iOS 7 and iOS 6. Surprisingly, just over half said their new version would be iOS 7 only and not support iOS 6. I find that very shocking, actually. I'm hoping some of the devs rethink things. While updating an app to iOS 7 is no small task, cutting out support for iOS 7 or me, iOS 6 seems short-sighted. Given all the original iPads and the iPhone 3GSs out there, 
that can't update to iOS 7. That's a lot of devices that are going to be locked out. Well, I guess the original iPads weren't at iOS 6 anyway. They were at iOS 5. But the iPhone 3GSs, those guys are at iOS 6, and they're going to be stuck there. So I don't know. I, I would rethink that, especially if you're gearing your app towards the iPhone. There is another novel of a post from Dan Dilger over at Apple Insider. This one is titled, Apple Inc. iPad is obliterating Samsung, Google's Android, and tablet profits. And well, he says in great detail and specificity what I've been saying on the show in generality, which is Apple makes the lion's shares of tablet profits. And at the end of the day, market share for units shipped is completely meaningless. It is about who makes the mula, the dinero, the money. Essentially, Dilger completely obliterates the strategy analytics report about tablet market share and shows that the report is not just meaningless, but very, very misleading about what really matters, making some money and not about stuffing the channel inventory. Another report after the strategy analytics came out about tablet market share, and this one came from IDC. And this one was used and requoted about oh, 100, 200, maybe a thousand times by Android fanboys to try the app iPad and how it's doing, except they did not really look at the numbers quite right. Seems if you looked at the IDC numbers and then looked at what Google reported, it seems like what IDC was saying is that one out of every two Android tablets shipped into the channel inventory is still sitting on a shelf somewhere. I contacted Tim at IDC with this very leading, shall we call it, email. Hi, Tom. I hope you are well. Thanks again for the last time we spoke. I have a couple of questions about your new report on tablet market share. From this report, IDC is showing the iPad at 32.5% market share for last quarter. This based on Android shipping 28.2 million units. Yet from Google's own numbers of activations, the absolute best you can get from their graph is 14 million Android tablets were activated last quarter. Can you explain the difference in your numbers and that from what Google's reporting? Additionally, for Windows tablets, you have 2 million Windows tablets for the quarter, yet Microsoft's own 10K reports uh, show that we know at best they have um, been 1.6 million Surface tablets sold as of October 2012. If we went with 500K window tablets plus 14 million Android tablets and 200K other, that would work out to a market share for the iPad of roughly 49.8%. Please let me know your thoughts on the above numbers and the differences from Microsoft and Google versus your numbers. Are you just reporting about that pushed into the sales channel and not actually sold, meaning there would be some 14 plus million Android tablets sitting on shelves? Best regards, Rob Walchett, Today in iOS. And Tom was nice enough to call back. And in a nutshell, he said he felt yes, there were a lot of Android tablets sitting in sales channel, probably not the 50% I'm suggesting, but a good amount. We also talked about the disparity in numbers when it comes to usage reports that are out there. And he, with no leading from or pushing from me, also came to the conclusion that most of the Android tablets are crap. And people that actually buy these cheap $100 or less tablets quickly, very quickly, stick them in a drawer and never use them again. 
And the reason that iPad tablet traffic is going up is when someone gets an iPad, they keep using it. He said, with very few exceptions, most of the Android tablets are not something users want to use. He did suggest that the activation chart for Google shows uh, it's based on tablets accessing the Google Play Store. But my searching on that uh, indicates that is not the case. When Google reported tablet activations for tablets all time, that includes any tablets, including Kindle Fires. And as of the end of last quarter, there were just about 71 million Android tablets activated all time versus 150 plus million um, iPads activated or sold. Or more than 2x the number of iPads sold as Android tablets have been activated all time. Tom did agree to come on the show in the future when he releases a future study at IDC. And a big kudos to Tom for spending the time to talk about how they measure and more importantly, what he really thinks is going on in this space competitively. Hint, iPad is winning. Hi, Rob. It's Brad over in Michigan. Hey, I am curious if you have any good suggestions for a car maintenance app. I'm looking to primarily be able to just keep a running log of maintenance that's been performed on my vehicles. I ran into a couple of apps, but they seem to not just have a basic log. They seem to have reminders for upcoming maintenance, like oil changes and things. But I want something that's going to allow me to just put in X amount of miles, I performed this. Also, maybe have a reminder. Maybe also um, do mileage. And it would be a bonus if it would export the data, too, for me as well. If you know of such an app, I would appreciate uh, knowing about it. Thanks much. Have a great day. Bye. Hey, Brad. At least six months ago, maybe seven or eight months ago, somewhere in that time frame, we had a similar question come up. And I know there was a bunch of different apps people suggested and I'm just going to throw this back out to the audience. If anyone has any of those apps that they've tried that were mentioned in the past about for this type of thing, maintenance and mileage and other things to track on your car, let us know which apps work best for you. Again, so if you're using any apps similar to what Brad's looking for, let us know which ones you like, which ones you didn't like. So tell us the good, the bad, the ugly. 206-666-6364. That's 206 Moon Dog. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. For the user with the problem with his Wi-Fi not working, download the iOS 6.1.4 ISPW file and plug his device in. Go to summary section on his device in iTunes window. Then hold down the shift key on the keyboard and click update uh, clean iTunes simultaneously, and then select uh, iOS 6.1.4 ISPW uh, file and click update, and that should fix his problem. Regards, Nathan. So basically, you're doing a full upgrade to iOS 6.1.4. Thanks, Nathan, for the help. Hope that helps him out. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I was just wondering if you or anyone knows if it's possible to stream video from an iPhone to your TV without using Apple TV. I do have a WDTV Live unit that it's a few years old, which, which I could upload the videos to a flash drive and then run them through the WD unit but I would like to be able to directly stream content from my iPhone or iPad using Wi-Fi, if that's possible. Thanks so much. Regards, Tammy in St. Louis. 
Well, I guess you could get the Chromecast. I think that would might work for you. It's cheap, 35 bucks. So you might want to look at the Chromecast. Again, I would highly recommend you go with Apple TV at 75 bucks refurbished than buying a new Chromecast. But if anyone else has any other suggestions out there of how to stream video from your iPhone or iOS device to a big screen TV, let us know. 206-666-6364, 206-MOONDOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. Just wanted your opinion on how well the iOS 7 latest beta is running on the iPhone 4S. Many thanks. Cheers. Well, I can't personally comment on the iPhone 4S because I haven't done it to my iPhone 4S yet. But on my iPhone 4, it's running wonderfully. So my assumption is on the 4S, it'll run even better than it's running on the 4. And on the 4, it's running better than iOS 6 was running. So... I'm looking forward to upgrading my iPhone 4S to iOS 7. As I mentioned earlier, I found iOS 7 Beta 5 to be a lot of crossing of T's, dotting of I's, just working on polish and just getting the place the final go over. I think they're really, really close to being ready to go gold master at this point. From the very obvious category of link bait comes this next one from John C. Dvorak for his post titled, quote, How the iPhone Gets You Laid, unquote. And the essence of this article is, if you whip out something in today's bar scene to show to the ladies, then guys, when you whip it out, it better not be six inches or five inches. Nope, it better either be four inches or three and a half inches. And yes, I'm talking about it being an iPhone. Because showing off an S4 or an HTC One or a Note is the same as stamping LOSER with a capital L on your forehead. Seems the ladies only respect a man that can FaceTime with them. Actually, we talked about this a couple of years ago on the show. I actually talked about it a few times in the past. And it is good to see that it is still the case. Go out with your iPhone if you're looking to hook up, or spend that late night alone at the local Greasy Spoon reading tweets on your Android device from your buds that met Mrs. Wright, sent from their iPhones, of course. There was a report out from the site Fixia, F-I-X-Y-A, that reported that iPhones were the most reliable smartphones. They actually said the iPhone was three times more reliable than the Samsung smartphones and 25 times more reliable than Motorola smartphones. When I saw this report, which was re-reported a bunch of places, I felt the claim while attractive for me and the show seemed well a little questionable and if you look at how they get their data it is based on trouble tickets to their website and then normalized for market share uh no i am guessing if iphone users have issues they'll likely run to an apple store or the apple forums not to the fixia sites all this says is that for people visiting the fixia Motorola smartphone users are 25 times more likely to report an issue compared to iPhone users. And I'm not saying that the iPhone is not more reliable than Samsung and Motorola devices. I am pretty sure they are. But not 25 times more reliable, and even likely not three times more reliable, on, at least versus Samsung. It just seems that the data collection and assumptions used to get to the end results are too questionable in my mind, um, just not valid. So no matter how much 
I, as an apple Kool-Aid drinker, want it to be true, I just can't buy it. What we really need to find um, for this answer is to get the results back from a market where there are no Apple stores and then see in that market the number of returns to the local Verizon, AT&T, and Sprint stores versus what they sold in the past. That is the only way to really get a good number. And, well, that's not likely to happen either. Thanks to Tony V of Brooklyn, yo, for this next one, which is about Apple launching a third-party charger take-back program in China. Think of those gun buyback programs or dirty needle exchanges, and that is what Apple was doing, or at least saying, and that if you have a third-party charger and they don't care who it's from, if you're in China, just bring them that third-party charger and they will responsibly recycle it and then allow you to purchase one of their legit chargers for just $10. You do need to bring your iOS device with you as well, so one, they know that you have an iOS device, and two, that they can make sure you get the right charger for said iOS device. Kudos to Apple for doing the right thing, the non-evil thing. Apple does not acquire many companies, so anytime they do, you have to assume they had a specific reason or need for said acquisition. And of course, they are not talking, so that leaves us to speculate and guess about why they acquire a company like with Apple's very recent acquisition of the company Passive, P-A-S-S-I-F, which is a Silicon Valley-based low-energy chip maker. And what do their products do, you ask? Well, their chips are communication chips that use very little power and include a radio that works with low-power consumption Bluetooth LE. This technology, quote, has its intended use in wearable health monitoring and fitness devices, unquote. Can you say iWatch? Now, you might say, well, if Apple just acquired them now, it'll be a couple of years before we see their tech in an Apple product. Except, well, maybe per the point that Apple tried to buy Passive a few years ago. So it is possible Apple, after integrating their tech into an iWatch, found it would be cheaper long-term to just acquire them than to pay them for chips each time for each iWatch. I am still holding out hope against hope of a 2013 iWatch, which, if it happens, may mask my pain and disappointment on how my hopes for a 2012 iWatch turned out. Yeah, not so good. Each time I say iWatch or see iWatch written somewhere, I hear Ricardo Montalban saying, from hell's heart, I stab at thee. When it comes to Apple, one of the biggest non-announcements for 2013, in my opinion, has been that Apple has not announced a deal with China Mobile. Earlier this month, Tim Cook was back in China, meeting with the head of China Mobile. Hopefully these meetings were about crossing T's and dotting I's, and not about the beginning of negotiations. Surprisingly, neither company gave any details of the meeting beyond saying, yes, they met which, well, considering there are photos of them together, would be tough for either party to kind of deny. Maybe the iPhone 5C is a device that will finally bring iOS to China Mobile. I'm sure Wall Street would be very excited, given that the iPhone has recently dropped to seventh place in China for smartphone market sales. Into the email peg. Hello, Rob. I went to my local Bell store here in Quebec, Canada, and asked if I could pre-order the new iPhone. 
He told me no, because it will not be released for another full year. I was shocked at his answer. I asked what was his source. He replied that he is also an Apple representative, and he was told that by Apple. Does that sound right to you? Regards, Bruce. Hi, Bruce. Per your question, nope. Your rep is full of what you would call in Quebec le crap. No one outside of a few of the top people inside Apple know when the next iPhone is coming. And sure as heck, not a low-level service rep. No way, no how. Sounds like he was either messing with you or he has a serious self-esteem issue. Hey, Rob. Thanks, and one more question. Is it okay to buy Apple TV now or later in the fall? Regards, Bruce. Hi, Bruce again. The update cycle for the Apple TV is a little longer than other product cycles. Apple TV 1 launched January 2007. Apple TV 2 launched September 2010. Apple TV 3 launched March 2012. It does seem like it's due for an update. However, there has not been any rumors about a pending update, none, zip, nada. But since it is just 99 or 75, you get it refurbished. If you are interested in it now, I would say go get it now. But don't be upset with me if in September or October there is a new Apple TV 4th gen. As we mentioned earlier, September 10th looks like the likely date when the next iPhone or iPhones will be announced. Let's assume for the moment one of the devices announced will be the iPhone 5S, as it seems likely to be called. Well, what are some of the new features for the 5S? NFC seems to be coming up more and more lately, especially as it relates to mobile bill payments. Think uh, Google Wallet, except, well, practical, accepted, and working on the iPhone and on any carrier. Hi, Rob. As you mentioned the last episode, do you think the next iPhone 5S's home button will be with a wider, uh, be bit wider because of the fingerprint scanner? Regards, Alon in Israel. Well, Alon, another speculation about the iPhone 5S is where the S might be related as in to, say, Sapphire, as in a convex Sapphire home button that is a fingerprint scanner. And that is the latest rumors on how the fingerprint scanner is going to be done on the iPhone 5S. It'll be basically the same um, home button, same length and width, and it would then be just convex versus the slightly concave home button you have now. And that convex shape, when you put your thumb on it, and that's how it would be able to scan your thumb. The other rumor per the iPhone 5S is that there will be a third color for the iPhone 5S, and that is gold. So you have a gold iPhone with a sapphire home button and lens cover. Sounds like someone at Apple wants us to get our bling on. Maybe the S should stand for sugar, as in fine as. Other rumors are saying that on September 10th, it will not just be the iPhone 5S that will make its debut, but also the iPhone 5C, as in the lower cost iPhone, that will be introduced side by side. So what will be in the iPhone 5C? Seems that an 8 megapixel camera is similar, but not the same as the iPhone 5's and iPhone 4S's camera. Uh, rumors are also popping up from Uncle Gene Munster that the iPhone 5C would not support Siri. Maybe this is technical, maybe it's purely marketing. One, it keeps the Siri servers clear of the mass market, which they're going after with this lower cost device. And two, it gives you a point of differentiation 
That said, I think the 5C will have Siri. Expected sales prices for the 5C are in the 350 to 400 range. According to various rumors, I still think it's going to be in the 300 to 349 range. We shall see. Some others are rumoring or reporting that the starting price will be even higher at the 450 to 500 range. That just seems too high for the entry-level iPhone 5C. That 450 to 500 price comes from a source on Sino Weibo, which is essentially like saying a source on Twitter said that Apple's going to do yada, yada, yada. Really, it does not matter how you finish that. It's all lost uh, cred-wise when you say the source came from Twitter. And I think when you say the source came from Sino Weibo, again, you lost all credibility. I think and expect the low-cost iPhone to be in that 300 to 349 range. We will see. I think that's where it kind of needs to be if Apple really wants to expand market share. Hi, Rob. There was this loud jarring sound coming from something in my room the other day. I thought, OMG, what is that? The carbon monoxide detector or something. It was an amber alert. Sounded like we were going to war or an emergency. I wonder if other government alerts sound the same. It was at 10.50 p.m., dead quiet in the room while I was in bed, and which added to the surprise regards Michael. And thanks to Michael for that email and a link to a post about Amber Alerts on your iPhone. Yes, yeah, seems since recently there were a few different Amber Alerts around the country. Um, those getting them have been asking about alerts and if you can change the alert sound. And the simple answer is no. While you can turn off Amber Alerts and emergency alerts, as mentioned before on the show, what you cannot do is change the alarm sound. Seems rather short-sighted on Apple's part. If someone just cannot stand the sound of that alert, after two or three times, they're going to be very inclined to just turn off Amber Alerts, and that defeats the whole purpose of having them. Better for Apple to allow custom alert tones than to have a certain percentage of users just turn it off altogether. Hi, Rob. Stick a fork in the Surface RT. It's done. Regards, Dr. John M. Gilbert, Arizona. And what Dr. John is talking about is that the Asus Tech CEO, Jerry Shen, confirmed that Asus is killing its line of Windows RT tablets. Seems Microsoft is not the only one having a hard time selling Windows RT tablets. Actually, what the CEO of Asus said was, quote, It's not only our opinion. The industry sentiment is also that Windows RT has not been successful, unquote. And just think, that is a company with a good relationship with Microsoft talking. Ouch. I love the title of this next article. Quote, Microsoft Surface Pro gets price cut limited time only. Unquote. Because, you know, the limited time part just means the price reduction now will get even bigger shortly. In this case, it was a $100 price reduction. Expect a bigger reduction for the Surface Pro any minute now. Just saying. I saw this post titled, Couple says app lets iPhone communicate with ghosts. And I thought, cool, an app for communicating with the Windows RT tablets. But nope, it was just about talking with dead people. Boring. Just saying. Hi, this is Josh Adams. Rob, based on a recommendation from your show, I downloaded the app TV Show Tracker to find out when episodes from my favorite TV shows are airing and therefore available. I am looking for an app regarding 
when bands in my area are appearing. I could go to band websites to find out when they plan to play in the San Francisco Bay Area, but I would like to be able to tell an app where I live and have the app tell me, your favorite bands are appearing on such and such a date. I ask the listeners, please let me know if such an app is available. Thanks. John, good question. There is actually a app that's being developed, and it's actually an Indiegogo project on this right now. Go to the site, fanaddict.com, F-A-N-A-D-D-I-C-T.com. So fanaddict.com, and you'll see a link there to their Indiegogo project, and they are building an app that does exactly what you were just asking about. And actually, they are here in Kansas City, and that's how I know about them. I actually met the head developer, Joe Lieberman, I'm not sure if he's the head developer. I guess he's the head uh, business developer. He's the guy of the idea. He's got some developers, but Joe Lieberman's the guy that's running this. So anyway, go to fanaddict.com, check it out, and support their Indiegogo project to help get that app finished and built for them. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. Here is an Evernote tip. I often want to clip just the main article from a busy web page. I'm reading on Safari for iOS and save it to Evernote. I can do that easily on my desktop, but there has never been an easy way for me to do it on my iPhone. Well, I just discovered one. Just click on the gray reader button in Safari URL bar. It trims away all the ads and extra links. Then send that to yourself using your Evernote email address. Very quick and simple. Regards, Woody N. Well, thanks, Woody, for the tip. And for those of you that use Evernote and don't know what your Evernote email address is, Open Evernote app on your iOS device, tap on your name in the upper left. You may need to pull down all the articles to see your name in the upper left. Then scroll down to Evernote email address and tap it. And there you will see your email address and the ability to copy to clipboard or add to contacts. Hi Rob, I came across a reference of a 12.9 inch iPad. Have you seen many rumors about this? Being visually impaired, I would definitely buy such a beast but I would want to have at least 128 gig of storage. Regards, Steve and Houston. Hi, Stephen. I believe 100% that Apple has tested and built prototypes at said size. Actually, I believe Apple has built iPads of many, many different shapes and sizes for usability testing. However, I don't believe that the 12.9-inch size iPad is anything we'll see anytime soon. Given the so far complete lack in any interest at all of Windows 8 tablets that are larger than 10 inches, I just don't see why Apple would release a larger device at this time. I don't think there's enough mass demand for it. That said, I would love the larger 12.9 inch tablet as well. Who knows, maybe in four or five years as OS 10 and iOS continue to kind of morph together, uh, it'll make more sense at that point for that larger tablet. Last episode, I mentioned the Red Pattaya project on Kickstarter. This is the one that is an oscilloscope board and a spectrum analyzer and more. I contacted them about the lack of a good low noise timing source, i.e. quartz crystal oscillator. Uh, Here is their response. Hi, thank you for mentioning us on your podcast. We are using 125 megahertz oscillator that was optimized for price performance wise. And there is also the possibility of an external clock. Best regards, CRT. I did reply to that and ask them what they supported for an input. I'll talk about that here in a second. But first, I want to read this other email I received from a listener about this. 
Hi, Rob. I was excited to hear about the Red Battaglia Kickstarter project. It certainly boasts an impressive list of features. I was especially interested in you mentioning this because this past weekend, I just spent some time researching uh, a way to get an oscilloscope functionality cheaply for some electronic projects I'm working on. The current pledge level at Red Battaglia is $360. If any of your listeners might be interested in a much cheaper iOS oscilloscope option, now I have a suggestion. I found the iPad app called Oscilloscope for $10 in the iPad App Store. The app allows you to connect probes via a cheap $30 USB audio interface, such as the Behringer UCA202 and the Apple Camera Connection Kit. That's $30, so $60 there. The app is fairly robust allowing probing of two simultaneous channels and also includes a function generator mode. Since the app is using the audio chain to input and output signals, the dynamic range of the app seems to be limited to within the audio spectrum about 20 hertz to 22,000 kilohertz. So it would not be helpful for high frequency or high voltage circuits but if you're just looking for a simple oscilloscope slash function generator on your iPad, you can get it now for a total of $70, $10 for the app, $30 for the USB kit, $30 for the camera connection kit. Here is the app developer site, and that is www.oscilloscopeapp.com. Uh, this may not be the highest functioning oscilloscope option available, but it does seem to be the best bang for the buck on the cheaper end of things. Great for hobbyists. Regards, Matt. And then here is my response back to Matt. Thanks for the feedback. From what I can see so far from Red Vitalia, it is not the best overall solution if you are going to be doing any high-frequency work, say, as a ham operator. Even though it has a spectrum analyzer as part of it, it seems their lack of a good quality timing source will deeply degrade performance, at least for high-end users. For using it to troubleshoot your stand-up old arcade machines, say a centipede or something like that, it'll be more than adequate. But should also should, uh, so would the cheaper solution that you mentioned, Matt. I am currently talking to the folks at Red Pattaya, asking them why I'm wrong with my assumption. We shall see what they say, but right now uh, the time source they have uh, and are using appears to be subpar for any high-end uses, and that will greatly affect the overall noise floor of their system. They did, however, say you could hook up an external timing source, and I'm getting more info on that. Uh, again, thanks for your reply and findings. Regards, Rob. My feeling is if you get the Red Battaglia and you have any serious work you want to do, you also need to get a hold of a good low-phase noise, 125 MHz fifth overtone TCXO from someone like Wenzel Vectron or Bliley. Something with the noise floor down at least at minus 155 dBc uh, at 10 kHz and beyond. I am guessing that what they are offering is something in the minus 115 to 120 dBC range. And yes, now I'm just showing off. Okay, but so expect a, to spend a few hundred dollars more uh, for a good low phase noise oscillator. Yeah, believe it or not, just the oscillator is going to cost you a couple hundred dollars, even though the whole, their whole board is going to cost you 360 to get a good low phase noise oscillator one up. It may even cost you more than $200. Now, let me say this, even with a couple hundred dollars added on and your total price is 600 bucks, say, it would still be a very cheap device compared to what you would have to pay on the open market for a spectrum analyzer and a good oscilloscope. Uh, 
So even with the low phase noise oscillator and the, the 360 bucks you're going to pay them or 350 bucks or whatever it is, uh, still not a bad price. Just a shame they did not think to include an option to get the low noise uh, phase noise oscillator as part of one of the options on their Kickstarter project. And by the way, they did finally respond back and here's what they said. Hi Rob, Reptire has a possibility to connect a high class external clock, but for initial set of applications selected as a seven by five millimeter, 125 megahertz crystal uh, clock oscillator, uh, third overtone with one picosecond of jitter and the 12 kilohertz to 20 megahertz range gives a satisfying performance. Notice that this oscillator can also be replaced with the better seven by five millimeter oscillator regard CRT. Yep. That oscillator is going to be right in that 115 to 120 dBC range uh, for phase noise. So it's kind of right where I figured they would be. And definitely not the best high-end oscillator there. So if any hammies are listening, you'll understand you, you want definitely better noise there. Check Wenzel, Vectron, and Bliley, and see if they have a 125 megahertz sine wave oscillator for you uh, that gets you some good phase noise and see if that, uh, that would connect in if you guys go down this road. One of the Kickstarter projects I funded, and I don't fund many, is the SOS Charger. That is the emergency charger with the hand crank. That is great for those of you that are going camping or travel or find yourself running out of battery all the time at trade shows and the like. Well, if anyone wants to order one and did not get a chance when the Kickstarter project was open, you can go to soscharger.com and order one now. While supplies last, pricing is $44. Right now, it is showing a September delivery date. Wouldn't it be cool to have it delivered prior to me waiting in line for the iPhone 5S? I could use it while in line to keep my iPhone or iPad charged up. Again, go to soscharger.com if you are interested in getting this device and you didn't get a chance to when it was on Kickstarter. For those that don't believe in the iWatch and think it's just a figment of my imagination or the imagination of some analysts, and for those that did not order a Pebble or one of the many other smartwatches that came around since then, now there is the Hot Watch over at Kickstarter.com, and it has raised over $420,000 towards its goal of $150,000. You have until September 7th to pledge for this one. Pricing on this one is $119 for the basic version or $129 for the silver or gold version, and there's a few other versions there too. Delivery is listed as December 2013, but think more along the lines of NCA Final Four if you're lucky, per how other smartphone watches have gone on Kickstarter. So, what is so special about this one that given all that came before it, it's still able to raise almost half a million dollars and will have raised over half a million dollars when it's all said and done? Well, this one lets you turn your hand into a phone. Essentially, there is a speaker at the bottom of the wrist uh, on the strap that is directional and up into your hand. And if you cup your hand and use it as a phone up next to your ear, you can hear and talk and communicate with the person. Yeah, we left-handers are not going to like this one as it looks like it only works if worn on the left wrist as on the right wrist, it would be projecting sound down towards your elbow and not your ear. If you are interested in the smartphone watches and are not left-handed, go ahead and check out the video at Kickstarter 
and search for hot watch two words. Now I did send them an email asking if it works for left-handed people that wear their watch on the right wrist. I have not heard back from them. If I do hear back from them before September 7th, I will let you know what they say. Um, but if I was a left-handed person, I definitely hold off on ordering this at this point. Actually, I should rephrase that. I am left-handed. If I was a left-handed person that was thinking of ordering this, which I'm not, but if I was thinking of ordering this and I was left-handed, I would hold off. Previously, there was a few questions about a boroscope where one would work with your iOS device. I just heard about the iBoroscope, wireless boroscope, endoscope for iOS devices. It is $203.75 from ifaz.com, I-F-A-Z-Z.com. If this is something you are interested in, please look at the link in the show notes titled iBoroscope at www.todayinios.com for episode 278. Thanks to Chelsea for the heads up on this next one, which is the sound band, two words, over at kickstarter.com, which is, well, headphones, better described as back-of-the-earphones. You put these behind your ears, not over them or in them, but behind them, and that is how you hear. Yes, neat. Very neat. Goal on this was 175K, which was a high goal, but since I am using past tense, you probably figured out that they are past their goal, with over 430k raised. Well, you wouldn't have figured the 340k out, just that they were past their goal. And you have until Friday, the 13th of September at 9.14 p.m. to pledge for this one. How much it will set you back? Well, that is a downside. $135, which seems pretty pricey for wireless headphones in a Kickstarter project, even if they are behind your ear and not in it. But if you are someone that hates having earbuds falling out then maybe this one is for you. Search for sound band in Kickstarter, two words. Kickstarter is one word. Uh, sound band is two words. Thanks to Matt for the heads up on this next one, which is about a malware scam targeting iTunes users with an email that says they are getting a $200 iTunes gift card. Uh, yeah. If you think that's happening and you click on the link, well, my sympathy meter is not going to get past two or three. Obviously, in this day and age, don't click on links and emails that you're not sure where they came from or if you are, they are promising you $200 gift cards. Too good to be true is often very bad for you. We have mentioned Bento numerous times on the show. That's an app from FileMaker. And it looks like this time it is being mentioned sadly. FileMaker has decided to kill off Bento. Seems it will still be available for sale until September 30th if you have not purchased it, but FileMaker is basically saying that it is focusing more on the FileMaker product line, and thanks to the ease of creating iPad and iPhone solutions, that Bento is kinda or sorta not needed anymore. If you are a Bento user and want more info, look for the link titled FileMaker Inc. Terminating Bento in the show notes for episode 278 over today at iOS.com. Hi, my name is Dror Birzon. I'm the co-founder of Pixdub, a simple and fun way to interact and play with friends and the rest of the world using pictures. Pixdub is a mobile social application that allows you to interact with your friends by creating photo challenges, initiating photo conversations, and joining photo streams started by your friends and others in the community. Simply snap a picture to start a conversation or challenge, share it on Facebook or Twitter, and watch for replies when your friends get creative and add their own funny captions, speech bubbles, and stickers. 
Get it now from the App Store for free or check it out on pixdub.com. That's P-I-X-D-U-B.com. Thank you. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. I am looking for a wireless hard drive that I can transfer video and pictures I take with my iPhone 5 and wirelessly streaming would be a plus. I've been looking at the Seagate Wireless Plus 1TB model. Everything about this hard drive scene sounds good, but I can't tell if it will transfer video from the iPhone to the drive. The only thing I could find out is its ability to stream video and transfer pictures. I've downloaded the app and played around with it, but it kind of looks limited not having the drive and to see what how everything works together. I was wondering if any of your listeners have this product and if it will do what I'm wanting. Regards, Kevin in Illinois. Hi, Kevin. I'll send out a request to anyone listening that has used the Seagate drive in mentioned or any other wireless drive with their iOS device to transfer video and pictures. Please let us know what you used and how it is working out for you. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I have videos on my iPhone 4 running iOS 4.0 that are too large to email or store on my laptop. I would like to transfer them to a flash drive without connecting to my computer. I saw an ad for an eight gigabyte photo jo- photo Jojo iFlash that appeared to be designed for this purpose. Are there better options? Is there a way to transfer without using more than 100 meg or so for any app needed? I only have about 150 to 220 meg free on my iPhone. Regards, Gail. Yikes, Gail. Sounds like you have a little too much on your iPhone 4. You need to get some files off ASAP, obviously, which is why you're asking about this. The 8 gigabyte version is, I think, $99. And it is for the iPhone with the 30-pin connector, which yours is. So it should work how you want. Uh, per Kevin earlier, there is a $149 16-gig Lightning version that works with the iPhone 4 as well for the Photo Jojo. And I'm not sure if the 16 gig will work for the way you want to work. And you mentioned because you were looking for something wireless, plus uh, you were looking at a one terabyte drive, not 16 gigabyte. But for those of you that want to know more about this, go to Photo Jojo, F-O-T-O-J-O-J-O.com slash store slash awesomeness slash i flash dash drive and we talked about the photo jojo in past episodes because i remember photo jojo like mojo jojo hi rob for the question would i be willing to pay for app upgrades on ios 7 yes and no i'd like to have the option to just continue with the current version that would work for ios 7 but was not optimized for it but wouldn't mind paying for some of the apps i use quite a bit if they are fully optimized. I'd imagine that after I'd had iOS 7 for a while and gotten used to it, I might like to start exploring old apps that were rewritten, but I sure wouldn't be paying for them again, not right away, and would be upset if they stopped working. Regards, Jesse D. Hi, Rob. As to whether I would be willing to pay for upgrades to apps I already own, it would depend on how often I use a given app and what the features are. Your question prompts two questions from me. Is iOS 7 so different from the preceding versions that you expect that we will begin to see apps written specifically for it that either won't run very well on earlier iOS versions or not at all? Also, in your opinion, is iOS 7 that much better 
than the preceding versions or just different. Thanks in advance for any opinions. Regards, Arnold S. in Raleigh, North Carolina. Arnold, per your questions, is iOS 7 better than iOS 6? Yes, I believe it is. I believe it is a much bigger upgrade from iOS 6 than any previous iOS version was from the previous versions. So I think this is the biggest jump forward. A lot of it is fit and finish, but there are new functionalities. There are some new things about it that just make it better. Now, the underpinnings, uh, my understanding, are also different, which are causing some of our app devs to have to redo things too. Do I feel that there's going to be certain apps that are just going to be iOS 7? Well, we talked about that earlier. Yes, there are going to be developers whose new versions will require you to have iOS 7 only. So that is the definite. And again, that one survey was 52% of the devs that were developing were developing only for iOS 7 with regards to their update, that is. Hi, Rob. I will not repeat. I will not make my customers, my friends, the people who support my passion of creating software have to pay for a product of a higher quality twice. My customers will receive the utmost treatment that they deserve. I strongly believe in the Apple philosophy that every product should be made beautiful in every way. This includes the service they are given and the quality of the product itself. No developer should charge any of his or her valued customers twice without good reason or cause any customer strife. If anyone truly values their consumers, then they will put them first. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Regards, Nathan. Nathan, I like your attitude and what you're doing there, but I do have one comment there, though. You said you kind of have the Apple philosophy. Well, that's not really the Apple philosophy. Apple's philosophy is to charge you for every upgrade. Every time OS X upgrades to a major version, there is a price. So each year there's a new price for that OS X upgrade. Each time GarageBand upgraded, each time iLife or iWorks upgraded, you had to pay for that. Every time FileMaker upgraded, you had to pay for that. So actually, Apple's philosophy has always been to charge you for major upgrades. Just saying. Hi, Rob. Just saw this. Maybe you did too. It is from the same Georgia Tech team who demoed an iOS malware injection via the USB charger, but this is a more dangerous one, methinks. It's Law and Wang's findings are summarized in the white paper, Jekyll on iOS, when benign apps become evil, to be presented at the 2013 Usenex Security Symposium, August 14th and 16th in Washington, D.C. Regards, Paul G. and Lawrenceville. Paul, thanks for the heads up on that. It looks like Apple has something else there to patch, but a quick update on the malicious charger attack that could put malware on your iPhone when you connect to your iOS device to said evil charger. Apple has said they will patch that exploit in their next update of iOS. So it looks like this theoretical threat will be squashed in the real world rather shortly. I wrote an article that was just published in App Developer Magazine for their August 2013 issue. That article dealt with marketing communication advice for developers. You can find the digital magazine at appdevelopermagazine.com. That's appdevelopermagazine.com. This is a pay-for magazine but or a subscription to the magazine. I think it's like $18 a year or something like that for a digital subscription. Uh, but if you pay for it or if you are already subscribed, my article is on page 75 of the August edition and it's titled 
how not to promote your app to new media. And I go over a couple classically bad emails I've received from devs that were just so wrong in so many ways. And then I go over what those bad ways were and make some suggestions on what to do better uh, when you're approaching someone in new media to get your app mentioned on their show. Hi Rob, thanks for the Video Stitcher app. I'm using the iRig mic and iRecorder to record my review of Video Stitcher. First impressions were favorable. The app started right up and scanned my photo library for videos. There are two methods of selecting your videos, chronological and user order. The program tells you what mode you're in and what you have to do to switch modes. No guesswork here. There must be a little lawyer inside the app as it confirms your choice with an OK, I understand, or OK, don't tell me again. These pr prompts occur in a couple of areas in the program. This appears to be their version of easy mode and let me get down to business mode. I left it in chronological order and easy mode for this review. After scanning your camera roll, thumbnails are presented along the left side of the screen, which remains in portrait mode. Each thumbnail can be played for quick review and some of the file's metadata is displayed to the right of the thumbnail. Thumbnails can be enlarged if desired. No editing is possible as this app is simply a video stitching utility. You may need to edit clips before stitching. Select your files and press Done to return to the main screen. You can set a clip to an introductory video if you want. The main screen displays some simple stats at this point. The number of clips selected out of the total number possible, the duration, and whether or not you remembered to select an intro clip. The setup screen allows you to select transitions if desired. I left transitions off as they were not supported in the format I was using, I'm not sure why, and selected best quality for my output. My first attempt to stitch files together failed because I didn't pay attention to the stats on the main screen, which clearly indicated I didn't have enough memory left in my system. After some minor cleanup, the hardest part of the endeavor, I pushed the big, big green stitch'em button and let it rip. The app gave me a warning that it was going to take about 10 minutes to compile, which coincidentally was how long the video was going to be. It appears that stitching is done in real time and not simply appending one file to another. The end result was a simple stitching of video snippets just as described on the app's webpage. I will use this app to stitch together small video snippets prior to compiling in iMovie or other editors. I give this app a good thumbs up. Thanks a lot, Rob, for all that you do. Keep up the good work. Thanks for the review of Video Stitcher. I had a listener by the name of Chris asking for a good, legit, free way to unlock an old off-contract iPhone 4S from Sprint so that it can be used on any carrier in the U.S. I am not looking for articles on this unless you have specifically used that article to unlock your iPhone 4S off-contract phone and then we're able to get it working on, say, T-Mobile or someone else in the U.S. Please let us know exactly how you were able to get it unlocked and did Sprint do it for you? So if you just called Sprint or contacted Sprint and had them do it for you, let us know that. As Chris said to me, he found looking up on this one, there's a lot of conflicting reports about how or if you can do this. I saw the same thing. So I'm looking specifically for a response only if you have done this. So if you've unlocked an iPhone 4S or 4 off contract, uh, let's say the iPhone 4S off contract from Sprint. So if you have an iPhone 4S on Sprint that you've unlocked off contract and then been able to take it to another carrier in the U.S., let us know how you did it. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. 
Hyrub, is there a way to get photos and videos off of an iPhone uh, with PC software that you know of? The iPhone is no longer used. It is broke, and it does not sync with iTunes, and I have not synced it with iTunes. Please advise if you know of a possible way to do this on a PC. Regards, David D. And as always, anytime I have anything about Windows come up, I'm going to throw this one out to the audience. If anyone knows a good way to get your photos and videos off your iPhone with PC software without syncing to iTunes, let us know how you do that on the PC side. Hi, Rob. Listen to shows I type, episode 277. I think maybe the iPhone 5C, maybe the C is for China, making for China Mobile, but not available in the U.S. to start, but perhaps not. Maybe C is for color, as you say. I have a wish list for the new iPhones. First, perhaps not the iPhone 5S, but a move to iPhone Pro, dropping the numbers. Being a cheaper standard iPhone 5C and then a Pro model, just saying. I'd like to see the induction charging, gigabit data transfer, and front-facing or top and bottom stereo speakers, as in the HTC One. All the rest you said I think is right. Regards, Chris in London, and P.S. Check out my Flipboard magazine. You can see the link over at the front of Today in iOS. Thanks for putting that there, Rob. And Chris, thanks for putting together that iOS-geared Flipboard magazine. Folks, uh, just look for the link, Chris in London, on the right-hand side under the external links over at todayinios.com. And Chris has been hounding me to do a Flipboard magazine, but I just don't even have enough time. It's been two weeks since I had this last episode out, and so I don't know where I'm going to have the time to do a Flipboard magazine, Chris. I really would like to, but I don't know how I'm going to get it done. Hi, Rob. In the iPhone 5S, I would like to see an A7 chip with quad-core processing. I would also like to see a microchip projector, such as the one MicroVision makes. Anyway, love the show. Keep the good work. Regards, Nathan. Hi, Nathan. I think eventually we're going to see a Pico projector on an iPhone. Eventually. Many versions down the line. I think first you're going to have to see that feature on some other smartphone from one other of the Android guys, but I don't think you're going to see it first on Apple. I found this next article interesting as it talks about what I've been saying lately. The post title is, quote, Tech blogs start noticing media bias, unquote. And from the article, quote, I would venture to say that nine out of 10 bloggers writing high tech hate Apple. Google, Android, and Samsung, they're perfect. They can't do anything wrong. They're ideal, and everybody hates Apple. But Apple does have a small cadre of loyalists, unquote. He continues on, quote, the pro-Apple bloggers are looking at the way the pro-Samsung, Google, Android bloggers write, and they are now starting to write about the media bias. And they're starting to write about the unfairness, and they don't understand it. I mean, they're chronicling how these pro-Samsung and Google and Android guys are faking data, faking news to make it look bad for Apple when it really isn't, unquote. Which, again, is what I was saying on the last episode. Some of the tech bloggers are starting to call out the Android fanboys on their BS reporting. And as I said, I started to see the pendulum start to swing back the other way. Given the jump in the stock price, uh, the pendulum might start picking up um, some momentum. Oh, the person I was quoting? That was Rush. Yep, Rush Limbaugh. 
Not sure if he is listening to this show or if he just picked up on what I picked up on at the same time. Hey, Rush, if you're listening, you have an open invite to come on the show anytime you want and talk tech. Sorry, no politics allowed. I want to mention that Podcast 411 is going again on episode 225, which came out about a week or so ago. I interviewed Heather Ordover from the Craft Lit Podcast. Search for Podcast 411 in iTunes or the podcast app, or just go to podcast411.com to get the episode or any of the other past episodes. But again, Heather Ordover from Craftlet, good interview. We geek out on literature stuff, so uh, please check it out. Before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. The feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else, an app, a product review, good or bad, as long as it's iOS related, it is welcomed. I am always looking for a new artwork to feature that you created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we are always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. This is your show, and your feedback is greatly desired. And a big thanks to today's sponsor, Warby Parker. If you wear glasses like me, you know what a pain it is to get new glasses and how expensive it is. My last pair cost more than a 64-gig iPhone, especially after the eyeglass store put on all their adders. But Warby Parker is not like that. First, on the price side, for prescription glasses, they are $95. Or you can go to titanium for $145. And that includes a UV coating and a very nice case, no upsells. And these are nice, fashionable frames. Go to warbyparker.com to get your five pairs of glasses to try on for free, shipped right to your door. And then when you find a pair that you like you, and you're checking out, use the promo code TII to get free three-day shipping on the pair that you purchase. Great glasses, great pricing, and a great cause. WarbyParker.com And that, folks, does it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for TII. Thank you.
Wow, 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 wow,